Welcome. If you're a woman who has a sense that there's more out there for you, you're in the right place. I'm Whitney Baker, host of the Electric Ideas podcast. Somewhere along the line of working kids, life carried on, but I lost track of my truth. I'm on a reflective journey, and that's what this podcast is all about. Each week, I interview a woman who is lighting her own path and offering others hope. Before our conversation ends, we'll share a reflective question for you to explore. Sometimes all we need is a jolt, a fresh idea, an aha moment that connects us to a sense of possibility. This, my friends, is what I call an electric idea. Welcome back to Electric Ideas. I'm your host, Whitney Baker. So holiday time is here, and as much as it is filled with joy and wonder and celebration, it can also be a time when lots of women feel stressed and overwhelmed. If you're looking to just push pause on everything and give yourself the gift of time, time to go within and do something deeply restorative and energizing for yourself, I want to make sure you know about this opportunity. Next week, I'm hosting a live online 50-minute workshop called Grounded and Bright. It's next Wednesday, December 20th at 12 p.m. Eastern and 11 o'clock Central. We'll be practicing various techniques, including guided meditation in order to let go of some stress, tune down the mental chatter, and honestly, just to give ourselves a chance to reflect and get that perspective on what actually matters most to us each individually this holiday season. For details and sign up, you can visit this website, myelectricideas.com backslash seasonal workshop backslash. There's a link below in the podcast show notes too, so you can just click there, keep it easy. And if you have any questions or need help getting signed up, you're always welcome to drop me a quick email at Whitney at myelectricideas.com. I hope to see you next week in the Grounded and Bright workshop, but even if you can't make it, you're in the right place because I have a super nourishing conversation in store for you on the topics of stress and burnout during the holiday season and beyond with Dr. Zaria Rubin. Dr. Rubin is a Harvard-educated functional medicine physician, burnout expert, and keynote speaker. She helps passionate women who are often high-achieving get to the root cause of chronic symptoms and stress and help them heal so they can really start to feel good from the inside out. This is a topic that is very near and dear to my heart because I see so many women in my Electric Ideas community and beyond who really are trying to move their bodies and eat well, but are perhaps ignoring their stress levels on their wellness journey. As a certified meditation teacher, a lot of my training was learning about stress and how to mitigate stress. So if you enjoyed this episode and it's a topic that you want to learn more about, I really encourage you to go back and revisit episode 69 of the Electric Ideas podcast, where I share some additional perspective on how stress can impact our overall wellness. Okay, let's jump into the show. Hi, Dr. Rubin. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. This is great timing because I know we're kind of in holiday season when this comes out. So I feel like women are open to these conversations around stress more than ever. So I want to start by rewinding us a little bit because I think your story, your own personal story, powerfully informs the work you do today. So let's start by time hopping back to this period in your life when you were a Harvard-trained physician, which is very impressive, but it felt as though you were stuck and you kind of knew that 
you were burning out, but you didn't think you had anywhere to go. Can you relive that a little bit for us? Yeah, it's it was a while ago. I have a lot of experience with burnout. I'm kind of a burnout veteran. <laughs> so there's different types of burnout that you can experience, the most common of which is career-related or work-related, job stress, work overload, all of that. But I strongly believe there are other types of burnout as well, caregiver burnout, and also particularly parental burnout and moms specifically, whoever the primary caregiver is, but that tends to be the mothers. And so I don't think it's limited to the workplace. In my case, in the first instance, it was. I was single and not married and didn't have any kids that I was living in New York City. I was working at a prestigious hospital. I had done all the top-notch training. And from the outside, it appeared as though I was very successful and had it all together and was living the sex and the city lifestyle in Manhattan, but the, like minus the shoes and the apartment and the fabulous men or even terrible men. I was just working and was really miserable to the point that I just didn't really believe that there was any other way. It's like medicine's hard, medicine's miserable, work is terrible. You never get any sleep. You never get any breaks. You just do it. And I guess this is what life is supposed to be like. And it's pretty awful. But I just had accepted that was my fate. And every morning I would, you know, get on the subway, but I would debate, like, should I get on or should I jump in front of it? And I'd kind of make this joke to myself without realizing just how serious things had gotten. And, you know, it finally took a very major wake up call for me to radically change my life. And, you know, one night I got a phone call from my best friend. It was quite late at night and I wasn't really expecting it. And I picked up the phone and she told me that her husband had been playing Frisbee and had collapsed and they rushed him to the hospital and he didn't make it. And I just dropped the phone basically. Couldn't believe this was someone who was my age, who was young, who was healthy, no medical issues. And this kind of terrible thing could happen. And in that moment, I sort of said to myself, I don't think I could do this anymore. Like if it were to end tomorrow, I can't live like this. And it took a little while longer to actually kind of extricate myself from medicine because it's not that easy to do. I had invested so much time and energy and finances and identity into that quote unquote job. It was more than a job. It was like, it was a calling. It was my entire life. But I came across this, Turkish proverb that said, no matter how far you've gone down the wrong road, turn back. And that really changed my life. Those two things put together allowed me to make this incredibly difficult decision and walk away from a medical career. The story just gives me goosebumps because don't you wish that we could just have little bottles of this perspective without needing to experience something that really just hits us over the head. We, we always say this in functional medicine, you know, if you don't make time for wellness, your body will make time for you through illness. Like if you don't take care of yourself, if you don't take a break, if you don't listen to your body, then it's going to do it for you. And you probably don't want that. I want to circle back to a little bit more because this was an incredibly brave decision. I think one thing that really struck a chord when you're talking to me is you spent so much money and time and energy 
getting your doctorate degree to turn away from that. I think uh, this is resonant for lots of women, especially women who become mothers, because you've worked so hard and then it doesn't work anymore. And a lot of times I see this breakdown when women are in their childbearing years because they're so attached to something that isn't serving them anymore. But it's very scary to pivot. Yeah. I mean, I think the message that I got was, you know, if you devote yourself to a career, that's a very worthwhile career. And if you just, you know, sacrifice yourself at the altar of altruism and giving and giving and taking care of others, you'll be rewarded with happiness and goodness. And that actually wasn't the case. I was like, I don't understand, but I'm doing all the things and I'm working so hard and I'm, you know, uh, why am I so unhappy? And it was just, it was a really poor fit, just medicine in a conventional environment and a tertiary care, very inner city hospital and like and my personality. And my realization decades later, of course, was that I had a lot of trauma that I hadn't processed and medical trauma, in fact from my childhood that was coming out every single day when I was working in medicine, but I didn't know that. So I was basically reactivating trauma constantly, day in, day out. That's exhausting. But without understanding that, I just couldn't figure it out. And I just thought, well, I just have to keep going. And people tell you things like, oh, well, medical school is really tough, but then you, it'll get better. Or like residency is brutal, but it'll get better. And then well, fellowship, yeah, it's supposed to be better. And I was like, yeah, fellowship is not better. And I kept going and going, thinking that maybe one day something magical would happen and the stars would align and I'd be like, oh, this is the greatest career ever. And I'm so happy. And it didn't. There was no like, you know, light at the end of the tunnel for me. Yeah, it's almost like you had this vision that there would be this big payoff at some point. That, But it and was just going- I guess ostensibly a financial payoff, but- yeah. I was realizing about retirement when I was in my 20s and 30s. And I was like, yeah, this is not, this does not make sense. It does not compute. I want to love my job. I want to go to work every day and be inspired and inspire others. And and certainly when you're in a caregiving profession, you can't be not in it. Yeah. I, you mentioned caregiver burnout. And I know that's kind of a buzzword in the medical field right now, but I don't think that many people who are kind of put myself in the layman community really understand it. So could you tell us a little bit more about that and maybe how it is used in the medical field versus maybe caregiving? Yeah. So there's a phenomenon known as compassion fatigue that afflicts people who work in very high stress, high sort of trauma caring professions. So it could be ambulance workers, nurses, doctors, even teachers, people who are in a war zone, parents. I think parents get affected by this and you don't want to admit it because you actually stop having compassion for the people that you're supposed to be caring the most about because you're just so burned out and you can't even care about anything. And then you start to feel the guilt of, oh my gosh, why am I feeling this way? Why is there this disconnect between the way I want to be and the way I'm feeling? So then there's shame and guilt associated with that. And then we chastise ourselves. And it's like, I just, you know, sometimes I would get like a, a, another page or another consult and I would just be so on edge. And then I just thought, okay, there's something wrong here. 
And that is compassion fatigue. That's burnout. That's a hallmark of burnout. Very interesting. Well, I know, like I said in the beginning, we're headed into the holidays and we can be as mindful and try to be as spacious as possible and intentional. But I think it's really easy for women to want to feel sparkly and bright, but to just get inundated with all of the extra to-dos that often come with holidays. Yeah. The holiday magic is really just moms working ourselves to death, right? <laughs> like, that's what it is. I mean, let's be real. Like, nothing would happen without us. Like, the Christmas cookies or, you know, the Hanukkah cookies or, like, all the decorations and all the, wrapping the special presents and doing the little things. And, like, and we, we're, we're a bi-religious uh, family, so we celebrate Hanukkah and Christmas. I'm like, my kid has to get eight presents for Hanukkah and then Christmas presents and a lot. But I think that part of that, yes, there are these expectations and these pressures, societal mostly and marketing, consumerism that are put on us. But I think as moms, as individuals, we have to kind of take it upon ourselves to resist that a little bit. And it's difficult because you kind of want to do all the things and you want everything to be perfect and special but it's not perfect and special if you're so stressed. You're like, okay, everyone smile, be happy. I work so hard for this and you people are ungrateful. But I think that the secret, my secret anyway, to surviving the holidays and to surviving you know, life in general and protecting ourselves from burnout is this mantra that I have developed and I use it with my clients and my patients and myself. And it's just four words. Do one thing less. And it is a simple yet powerful tool. And you just got to tell yourself this. So you're out running errands and you're running around and you're trying to get all the presents and this and that. And you're like, well, I got to go to this store and this store. No, you're going to take off at least one of those stores and say like, you know what? It's going to be okay if I just get the gifts at this store or I'm buying ingredients for holiday and I need to make this recipe and this recipe. And it's like, you know what? I'm actually going to not make that recipe. It's going to be okay. Cross something off your list. Just get rid of it. And you can outsource and this and that, but I'm a big advocate of like... Axing it. Axing. Yeah. I'm so glad we're having this conversation. This totally resonates with me because I also feel like in this social media age that we all live in, I'm pretty boundaried with social media and it's a force for good in my life because I'm disciplined. (laughs) (laughs) But I do think it's easy to just get caught up in this feeling like, oh my God, they're going to the nutcracker. Like there's like all these things that are even outside the tradition that people, it's like you feel like you should be doing all this memory making. Oh yeah. Like should we do the zoo lights and should we go to this like outdoor farm animal thing and the yeah nutcracker and like all these events and it's like no we're gonna stay home and do nothing i think that women need to be reminded sometimes that they're the only people that can give themselves that permission i kind of like to think about it a little bit like you know if you ever practice yoga and you just are supposed to stay on your own mat that's helps me a little bit with the holidays i'm just thinking you know what that feels like too much for me <laughs> just focus on what I need to do. That's going to make me and my family feel good. 
yeah, there is this sense of like, if you're not doing all the things, like you're missing out. And then time, because time is going so fast and it does go really fast. And when you have little kids, like it's so fast and you sort of feel like you have to make every moment so imbued with meaning and importance. And, but that's exhausting. And a lot of life is just the regular stuff. And that's okay. I don't know. I'm an Enneagram seven. So I don't know if people have Enneagram knowledge in your community, but like our basic existence is kind of like trying to make everything special. (laughs) And it's just like, oh my gosh, it's, that's so in my nature. I'm just like, well, let's like make it extra special. Let's not have lunch. Let's have a picnic on the floor. And then I'm just like, okay, dial it back. Like, seriously, it's okay. Your kid isn't necessarily going to feel like she's missed out or your husband certainly doesn't care if you guys go to this thing or that thing. What thing are we going to this weekend, babe? Why? Can we just like stay home? And like, well, we have to do stuff. So listen, like I am not saying that I've mastered this and I am like this perfect person who never gets stressed and never tries to do too much. I totally do. I mean, I was the person who used to say, meditation, I'm too stressed to meditate. And now, of course, I meditate every single day. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. No, I'm the same way. I mean, I, I get excited and I, I love creating environments. That's what I've kind of realized about myself. Like, I love creating a sense of occasion and connection. But I think one of the saddest feelings, and I was just actually writing about this a little bit yesterday, is when women work so hard to make things special and then the event or the gathering leaves and they feel depleted instead of satisfied. It's sad. Like, I'm like, you deserve to enjoy all the things too. There's also this phenomenon of like, when is vacation not vacation? Like when you have to work so hard in this country, I think that we have it all kind of backward. It's a live to work society as opposed to like in Europe, whatever, when it's a work to live society. And so you need to like work doubly, triply hard just to take a week off and like make sure all the things you've done and all the projects are taken care of. And you've got someone checking on this and that and all the emails. It used to be like by the time the vacation would come around or like I would do all this and work and then be like New Year's Eve, I'd be sick or I'd be too tired to do anything. It's Mm -hmm. like, you can't even enjoy it. You can't even enjoy it. I, I can remember New Year's Eve's just like lying on the couch being like, yeah, I'm done. I can't stay up till midnight. I can't do anything. And I'm like in my twenties, but I was so exhausted by the pace and by, you know, medicine and staying up all night and all this, you know, to work, you know, tons of shifts in order to take a day off. And it just doesn't make any sense. Like we, we are burning ourselves out and we're seeing this, you know, epidemic of chronic illness and autoimmune disease and all these things that women struggle with. And it's, I yeah. like was diagnosed with autoimmune disease after medicine, after having a really difficult kiddo. And I have a high needs neurodivergent kiddo. And that's a whole other type of burnout that I have experienced. And it's a job that you can't quit. This is actually parlaying me into a whole idea because I, I actually was lucky enough to get away last weekend. I spent some time with college girlfriends and we had a lovely kind of restorative fun weekend And then everyone slowly started talking about Sunday when their Sunday scaries clicked in. And I think this has a little to do with that. You know, you take 
that culture in America where if you take a vacation, I, when I was working in corporate, it'd be like that meant I worked 1.5 before I went to vacation and then came back to a backlog. So I totally get that. But okay, maybe unrelated to the vacation, I think it's really common for women to rob themselves of the rest and relaxation they deserve on weekends because they cannot drop into rest. They can't get off the treadmill. So can you help us kind of medically from your now more holistic perspective, understand why that's happening? So you know how it takes like a week of vacation to adjust, to get ready for vacation and then vacation's over with kind of like with the weekend because the weekend's only two days. I mean, we're coming into the holidays and breaks and things. So there will be more time. So we have, you know, different branches of our nervous system. We have the sympathetic branch and the parasympathetic branch, and they're in balance. But most of the time, we're supposed to be living in the parasympathetic branch. That is the rest, digest, relaxation, vagus nerve, happy, calm branch of the nervous system. But we don't tend to live there. Although we want to experience relaxation, we want to have good digestion and great sex and all these things. But we don't. We live in the sympathetic branch, which is the fight or flight run for your life, danger branch, adrenaline, cortisol, like ping, emails, notifications. Oh, my kid just called. I got to go pick her up from school. Oh, something's burning in the oven. Oh my God. It's like, and also our nervous system is very prehistoric. It can't tell the difference between a real threat, like being chased by a saber-toothed tiger and a very threatening conversation on Facebook. Can't tell the difference. The same reaction and response is going to be elicited in your body. The same hormones are going to be triggered. And so we are constantly putting ourselves in this state of threat and fight or flight and not being able to come down from that and relax. So we have to now, it sounds counterintuitive, find ways to kind of actively relax and choose relaxation, choose calm. And so whether that's, you mentioned yoga is fantastic. I recommend it to all my clients. Restorative yoga, not the like power yoga, ashtanga, super hot yoga, although I do love hot yoga, but just like chill, like exercise can also be a form of relaxation, but people overdo it. They're running marathons. They're doing high intensity cardio, you know, all this crazy stuff that actually taxes your nervous system further and can cause further burnout. So gentle exercise, go for a walk, do some yoga, breathing. So breathing is something that is automatic. We don't think about it. We breathe. But if you consciously focus on breathing, then you're activating your parasympathetic nervous system. So that is a, a tool and a hack. And then meditation is another way. Meditation, mindfulness, any tool that you use, you know, whether it's, it doesn't have to be like meditation, it could be you're washing the dishes and you're not multitasking. You're not trying to talk on the phone at the same time. You're not trying to watch a show or listen to a podcast. You are just doing one thing and you're listening to the sound of the water. You are focusing on that one thing. And that is like, that's a form of meditation and mindfulness. And it relaxes your nervous system. Thank you for all those examples. You're definitely speaking my language for sure. I want to ask you, because from personal experience, I'm in a very different place than when I had kind of hit 
my own burnout. I was working in marketing and I had two little kids 14 months apart. And one thing that it took me to realize now that I'm in this totally different space is how long it took my nervous system to recover. So it was like I quit my job and I thought I was just going to feel better. And it was not until I did a lot of my own practices and healing and education that I I feel like my nervous system is better. But it took a really long time to unwind. Years to recover from medicine. And what I did was I, you know, I had to take another job. And so I jumped into working at an insane like startup. And so then I was in insane startup culture. So I went from like frying pan into the fire and it was what I knew. So I was like, oh, I can do this. Oh, I know how to do this. I know how to work really hard and work really long hours. And then I was like, this is crazy. And then I took another job and ended up climbing the corporate ladder. And I was like, okay, this is also crazy. You just keep repeating the same patterns and making the same mistakes. And it's not going to get you anywhere different. You're just burning out in different ways. and because that's when I knew the, the hard work and the overachievement that was like my raison d'etre. It was like who I was, but I could change that story and change that narrative. And I think having kids was like a big wake up call of like, oh my God, I can't do life the way I did it before. But I used to not be able to read in medicine. I could not read a book because I was so exhausted and burned out that I would look at words and they would just like huh. swim page. And so then I knew I was getting better when I was able to like read novels again and like read for pleasure. So what are one or two of your non-negotiables for yourself now that you're on the other side of this, but still candidly, you know, working and caregiving for a neurodivergent child, which you shared with us? It's a lot. And I do have my moments, but I'm better at recognizing when the, the thermometer is like going up. And sensing that and being like, okay, I need a break. I need to go for a walk. I need to meditate. I need to take a hot shower. I need sleep. So sleep is a non, pretty much a non-negotiable. I think sleep is often the first thing to go that we think we can do without it or we can do with less sleep. And I think that's a huge mistake that women make of like, oh, I only need six hours of sleep and it'll catch up to you eventually. And so sleep is really important. I do meditate every single day. And then, you know, some form of exercise, like working out gentle yoga. I do hot yoga, which is more intense, but I love like just that feeling of sweating and just being on the mat and not having any other competing things coming at you. And those are really the main ones. I think I have to be really mindful of like food and alcohol, especially at this time of year, because we can use those things to relax, but they don't actually help us in the long run. And as you get older, I find now that I'm in the perimenopause, it, like alcohol is not your friend. <laughs> it's like really not. I can have maybe one drink and then I'm like, yeah, I'm good. And then after that, it's just like, it's not worth it. You feel terrible the next day. Like I can't, I'm not in my twenties, you know? And so being mindful about that and making good food choices, I'm like all about the 80-20 rule. So I try for 80% healthy, 20% don't worry about it, enjoy the celebrations. And sometimes that, you know, it fluctuates, but you don't want to overdo it because if you overeat and overdrink and then you can't sleep and then it creates this kind of 
you know, it's a cycle. And you're like, oh, why do I feel like garbage all the time? Well, <laughs> no, a lot of your clients come to you and ask you to teach them how to handle more stress. And you've talked openly about how you find that a very irritating question, if you will. Is that fair? It's sad and it's ironic. And of course, I tell them, I'm like, yeah, we're not going to be doing that. Because they're like, how can I build up my tolerance to stress? You know? And I'm like, actually, it's the opposite. You need to lower your tolerance and your thresholds for how much stress you can take on before it makes you physically, emotionally, you know, ill. So I teach people to reframe that and be like, yes, it's good to develop tools and resilience because you can't avoid stress or eliminate stress, right? We know this. So doing things like the breathing and the meditating and whatnot, that helps make you stronger and more resilient so that when stress does come, it's not going to affect you as negatively maybe or as profoundly and you're not going to be totally thrown off balance and like, oh my God, I can't handle this. You'll be able to handle it more, but you'll also be able to recognize when enough is enough. And I teach people how to say no and how to set boundaries. And like, those things are all super important. We don't learn how to do any of that as women. It's just like, sure, people pleasing. Yes, whatever. I'll do more work. I'll do all those things. And so, you know, no is a full sentence as we know, but it's difficult. It's not always that simple to just be able to say no. It's a lot of factors go into it. There's a great book called Boundary Boss by Terry Cole. She's phenomenal. I love that book. So many great tips and techniques in there for just setting these boundaries and just keeping that space and that peace around yourself so that you are able to withstand, you know, whatever trials life's going to throw at us because there's going to be stuff. Life is going to life you. So it's a combination of like building that toolbox and those techniques and that resilience, but also trying where you can to say no and minimize and just like, no, I'm not. Do one less thing <laughs> or do one thing less. Is that your Naturally, this is my philosophy. Yes. I want to circle back because I do teach meditation and something that comes up for me often is this idea that people only meditate when they're kind of in this stressy crisis mode. And so I'm just using this as a natural time to talk about, you know, you've brought up a lot of tools to explore. I really encourage women to practice these tools before they're kind of at a precipice of feeling super stressed because it, then you can lean on your tools versus just calling something in when you're already stressed. Exactly what I tell people because it's like, imagine if you just like decided to run a marathon rather than train for it. It's like you need to go to the gym and work out and build those muscles. So same thing for building the muscles of deep breathing or meditation or relaxation. You need to get that so that it is more automatic in your system. So you don't have to think about it because in the heat of the moment, are you going to want to learn a breathing technique? No, that's not going to work. You can't right. when you're in a state of heightened stress. So if you're able to learn and practice when you're not stressed out. So I tell folks, practice the breathing stuff when you're totally calm, when you're not stressed out and see if it works. You know, later, if you start practicing, well, I was super stressed or I had a fight with my husband and I tried the breathing and it didn't work. I was like, yeah, I know. Because you hadn't actually practiced it. 
Right. <laughs> other folks will say, oh my God, I did the breathing and it like changed my life kind of thing. So if you were practicing it, when you're in a calm state, when you're able to receive it and you're able to learn it, then it's going to be more automatic and it will kick in when you need it to, and it'll be more effective. I know we're hitting up against time, but I just had this realization and it's probably because as a meditation teacher, I just have learned so much about stress. It's just, it's on my mind. I read about it. I'm fascinated about it. And I really see a lot of women, especially who, and men, but I'm more focused on women in this podcast, who are very into wellness and they're doing all of the things, working out and trying to eat well and to sleep and all the things, but they really don't talk about or, as I can tell, think about or do anything proactively to manage their stress. And then they're kind of questioning why they're not feeling great. So since I think because you have the also like Harvard doctor background, I think it's important sometimes to just realize like outside our nervous system, like how a stress wrecks havoc on our bodies? Because I think some people just maybe don't know so I'm wondering if you could just remind us because it's eye-opening, right? <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, so stress can basically have a negative impact on every aspect of your body, mind, body, physiology from top to bottom. So if you start at the top, it's associated with more anxiety, more depression, lack of concentration, brain fog, headaches, migraines, trouble with falling asleep. You can have you know, jaw issues and TMJ you can have difficulty with digestion, you can have acid reflux, you can have constipation, you can have diarrhea, all of these different things. You can end up with fertility issues. You can end up with immune system dysregulation, either under or over functioning. So you can get sick all the time and you can get autoimmune disease. I mean, it goes on and on. Aches and pains and muscle tension and muscle aches. And there's just so much that stress impact, it accelerates the aging process for your cells. And so we don't want that. And tiny little amounts of stress can be good. Stress is not all bad. We know this. If we had no stress in our lives, there were never any deadlines. If I didn't have to actually like, oh, I have to show up for this podcast today. Like I have to, you know, be there and be like, we wouldn't do stuff. You need a little bit of stress. And same for your cells. You need a little bit of something called hormesis, which is a little bit of stress. So like that's when you lift some weights, you're actually causing a little bit of stress and damage to your muscles, but makes them stronger. But tiny amount, not this huge amount that we're subjecting ourselves to. And I think that you're a hundred percent correct. I was that person. I was like healthy diet and exercise and this and that. Why am I so sick? Why do I have all these diseases? Oh stress. It was like the vital sign that we don't pay attention to. I think we should measure it along with everything else. As a warning, it's a check engine light. It's a real warning to radically change your life before it gets changed for you. Thank you for sharing that. I always end my episodes uh, with a chance for final reflection. And so in the areas of stress, and maybe compassion fatigue and all of these topics we've been talking about and kind of knowing we're in holiday season, what's one question women could be asking themselves more? Can I ask for help? Can I lean on somebody else? 
whether it's, you know, a partner, a friend, whether it's a professional. I think as women, we have a lot of shame and a lot of guilt. Like there must be something wrong with me. Like, why are they not stressed and burned out? Why am I so pathetic? Like, why am I this or that? Why can't I handle it? And so we don't talk about it and we don't share it and we keep it to ourselves. But I think it's really powerful to be honest, admit it, say like, I'm having a hard time. I need help. I need a babysitter or I need to take a break or I need to see a counselor or a therapist. I think that's a really powerful thing to do during this period, which is so joyful and yet so stressful to really like take care of yourself. Oxygen mask first principle. Thank you, Dr. Rubin. I know my listeners will want to follow you and learn more. So where's the best place to connect? Sure. So they can head over to my website, which is just Dr. Zaria, D-R-Z-A-R-Y-A.com. And they can also find me on Instagram, Dr. Zaria Rubin. And I also have a little private Facebook community for women that's called Burnout to Brilliance. And it's free and it's, we hang out. We talk about everything from healthy recipes to clean beauty to motherhood stress to whatever. It's a fun, fun little community. And I also, I am taking new clients. I do offer a free consult as well that you can check out on the website. Wonderful. We'll make sure to capture your information in the show notes as always too. So great. Thank you so much. This was so fun. I hope everyone has a wonderful, restful holiday season. I'm so glad you joined me today. If you're looking for more, feel free to connect with me on Instagram at at WhitneyWoman. And if you enjoyed the show, I invite you to support me by leaving a review or sharing it with a friend. Hope you have an inspired day.